Welcome to our podcast. I'm Father Patrick Wainwright. If you're new to this podcast, I'd like to share with you a couple of things. First of all, through this podcast, my goal is to present the Catholic faith to college students and young adults in general, basically following the Catechism of the Catholic Church published by St. John Paul II, Pope. So my suggestion, if you haven't heard any of these podcasts or any of these episodes, my suggestion is to start in episode number one. There I give a short intro to the show, and then I start with the foundations of our faith in episode two. Then I keep going all through the truths of the faith, then the sacraments, Catholic morality, and finally prayer. I'm still in the first of those four sections, but I hope to give you a bird's eye view of all the truths of faith. So every so often, I will have an interview with someone to illustrate what I have been developing in the previous episodes. The second thing I wanted to share with you is that while the name of the show is For College Catholics, the podcast is geared to young adults in general, but it can be helpful to anyone. The purpose of the name is partially because our religious community has as its main charism to reach out to lay people in general, but more specifically, college-age people. And the other partially reason, partial reason, is because the way I present the faith will be geared toward college students and young adults in general. As a result, the way I address the different topics of faith, some of the issues I discuss and the examples that I give, will be more often than not applicably, applicable to college-age people. So I really hope that you enjoy this podcast and share it with other college students. So, that said, in today's episode, we'll speak about the resurrection of Christ and about the importance and meaning it has for our faith, what it means in itself, how it was a real event and not just an illusion of some pious people, and some of the main characteristics of Christ's risen body. There's an amazing story of courage, love for the law of God, and faith and faith in the resurrection, particularly, in the second book of Maccabees. I don't know if you have heard it already, but it's really moving. What happened is that the Greek king, Antiochus, had invaded Israel and took control of the government. He had began to impose his pagan religion and obliged the Jews to give up their own religious practices. The Temple of Jerusalem was changed into a temple in honor of Zeus. Those who resisted and continued to practice their Jewish faith were apprehended, tortured, and many times killed. So in the second book of Maccabees, chapter 7, we read of an amazing witness of a mother and her seven children. They were forced to eat pork, which was against the Jewish law. And as they didn't eat it, as they didn't want to eat it, they were tortured. The king was outraged and decided to increase the tortures because they would not budge. So they started to cut them to pieces and actually fried them in large pots, one by one, while the others looked on. The details are much more brutal than what I just said, and I, that is why I'd rather not read it to you, but you can read it yourself. So I just will say that the hatred of Satan seems to have been unleashed against these young men and their amazing perseverance was a witness to their faith. 
in the resurrection, you know, and and it was that faith in the re- in that the, their faith in the resurrection that makes me feel such a poor, weak, and lazy disciple of Jesus Christ. It is amazing what they went through, and some of them were young, young kids, young children. After the second brother was tortured, and while he was still able to speak, he said to the king who was torturing, torturing them, and I quote from the book, chapter six, verse, chapter 7, verse 9, You, accursed fiend, you are depriving us from this present life, but the king of the universe will raise us up to life again forever because we are dying for his laws. Now, most amazing about these, uh, among this family was the mother who, while watching her seven sons die in one single day, she didn't flinch, but on the contrary, she encouraged them to persevere and to be faithful to God, who would raise them up in the last day. And she said these words to them, the, in, in, to different ones, they say, he said, she said different things, but these are ones that I would like to highlight. She said, I do not know how you came to be in my womb. It was not I who gave you breath and life, nor was it I who arranged the elements you are made of. Therefore, since it is the creator of the universe who shaped the beginning of humankind and brought about the origin of everything, he, in his mercy, will give you back both breath and life because you now disregard yourselves for the sake of his law. The witness of this woman, this mother and her seven sons, is simply incredible for me. They were willing to suffer terrible tortures and death in order to be faithful to God and his law. And one of the things that gave them courage was the fact that they knew that death was not the final word that after death, the soul continues to exist. And one day, at the end of times, their soul would be reunited with their body in the glorious resurrection of the dead. So we read a similar statement of faith in the resurrection, already present among the Jews, and we read it in the book of Job. You can read this in the book of Job, chapter 19, verses 25 and 27. He said, For I know that my Redeemer lives, and at last he will stand upon the earth. And after my skin has been thus destroyed, then from my flesh I shall see God, whom I see, whom I shall see on my side, and my eyes shall behold him. Up to there, Job. So there we see how Job believed that. In his own flesh, he would see God. Because at some point, after dying, he would rise from the dead. And, as he himself says, his own eyes will behold him. So there was a clear faith in the resurrection of the body. This faith in the resurrection of the dead was already present in the Jewish religion and was confirmed and brought to perfection in the revelation given to men through Jesus Christ. Our Lord Jesus Christ 
brought this revelation of the resurrection to a whole different level by himself rising people from the dead at his command and by his own power. As we read in, uh, about the son of the widow of Name in Luke chapter 7, verse 11, or his friend Lazarus in Bethany, after being dead for four days and in the tomb, so much so that they thought there would be a stench if, he came, if they opened the tomb. And that we can read in the Gospel of St. John, chapter 11, verse 38. And also by announcing his own resurrection on the third day, and by finally, which is most incredible, by himself rising from the dead by his own power and appearing with a glorified body during 50 days to his apostles until the day of the ascension. Now, what does this resurrection of Christ mean? Because of all these things that we said, the most transcendental thing, the most incredible thing, the most important thing is the fact that Jesus Christ rose from the dead by his own desire, at his own command, let's say, by his own power. In the Nicene Creed, every Sunday, we recite and we say that Jesus suffered death and was buried and rose again on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. So that's all we say, and it's very simple, very brief, but there's a lot that goes with that, right? On episode 33, that is three episodes ago, I stressed the fact that the death of Jesus Christ on the cross was a historical fact. Now, now I want to stress that his resurrection from the dead is equally a historical fact. It was neither an illusion of the apostles, nor a poetic idea, nor a result of collective, of collective euphoria of the disciples. It was a historical event, a fact. He who had died on the cross, then his soul came to his body again and came to life. As St. Paul says, and he's a witness of the faith of the first Christians, he said in the first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 15, verses 3 to 4, something that is very important because he mentions how he received the belief and the truth of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and he was passing it on to the future generations. We read, I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures and that he was buried and he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, and then to the twelve. Up to there, St. Paul. So Jesus truly died on the cross. Our Lord wished to die on the cross in order to truly carry the consequences of our sin, and so redeem us from sin. He paid the price for our sin, although he was absolutely and completely innocent. His death was a real death, and that means that his soul truly separated its, itself from the, his body. And this would have been its permanent situation of separation unless a miracle would happen. This body of Jesus Christ, dead body of Christ, 
was buried in a tomb and it was it stayed there lifeless but it was still united to the divinity and therefore it didn't decay as any other body would have started to decay now on the other hand the soul now victorious descended to the place where the souls of the just of the old testament were awaiting Christ's redemption that is sometimes called the limbo of the just and it is the place that we refer to in the Nicene Creed in the Nicene Creed on Sundays when we say that Jesus descended into hell we're referring to that limbo of the just after freeing the souls of the old testament the holy souls of the old testament the soul of our lord returned on the third day to give new life to its dead body in the tomb. When the glorious soul of Jesus Christ came back to the tomb and entered its own body, that same body, the same body of Jesus Christ, became alive. It received a glorious life, an immortal life. And in this way, then, the resurrection of Jesus Christ was completed. It is a historical event, something that happened within our human history. More specifically, it happened on the third day after the death of Christ on the cross, and it happened in a tomb in Jerusalem. A tomb that, by the way, is still, most part of it is still available for us to venerate in Jerusalem. Now, some other people had risen from the dead in the life of Jesus Christ, as we said before. The son of the widow of Nain and Lazarus of Bethany. But they rose to a life in this world, a life of this world. And therefore, they would die again. And they, have, they died again. They died at some point. So while the son of the widow of Nain and Lazarus of Bethany were risen to a temporal life, a life of this world, as we said before, Christ's resurrection was completely different. The resurrection of Jesus was a resurrection to an eternal and glorious life. This means that Jesus would never die again. His humanity now had a glorious and heavenly life. So, Christ's resurrection occurred and then it began to become known by the apostles little by little, gradually. At first, the apostles were terribly saddened and in a sense depressed by the fact of how he had been crucified in such a terrible way and they did not have him anymore with them according to their human understanding of things. His death on the cross was very evident to them and it was a terrible, brutal blow to their expectations and their plans. Everything for them was now, if you want, shattered to pieces. They were now terribly afraid because of the Jewish leaders. They thought that they would come now after them and eliminate them as well in the same way that they did with Jesus Christ. So they continued to gather, but secretly, and they made sure that the doors of the room where they were and where they stayed were locked. Such was the fear they had of the Jewish and Roman authorities. 
So there was no way that they could come up with the idea of inventing the fact that the resurrection of Christ was a fact. In order to continue with their plans and ideas, there was no way, because they were utterly devastated. They were afraid. They were depressed. They couldn't suddenly come up with great ideas of new expansion and so forth. However, the risen Christ, Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, began to appear to them. After appearing to his most blessed mother, the first account of any apparition was to St. Mary Magdalene, as recounted by St. John, chapter 20, verse 11 through 18. And that same day, the first day of the week, which is what we now call Sunday, or Resurrection Sunday, if you want, that same day in the evening, he appeared also to the apostles who were gathered together in the upper room in prayer, as we read in St. John chapter 20, verses 19 through 23. And then Jesus continued to appear to them, giving them proof that he was truly alive. Now, not only truly alive, he had his own body, a body with flesh and bones. And he was definitely not a ghost. This is what he clearly said in one of the apparitions that is recounted by St. Luke, chapter 24, verse 39. He said, Look at my hands and at my feet, that it is myself. Touch me and see, because a ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. That's what Jesus was saying to his apostles so that they would wake up and realize. So, while the empty tomb and the shroud lying in the same place where Christ had been buried stand as an indirect evidence of his resurrection, the definitive witness of the resurrection of Christ or witnesses of the resurrection of Christ, are the apostles and the disciples of Jesus who actually saw him risen from the dead, touched him, and felt the flesh and the bones, the real physical, the, the physical reality of his risen body with his same flesh and bones. And they were later willing to give their lives as a witness to that truth. This is why we can say with certainty that our faith in the resurrection of Christ is based on, a, on the witness of the apostles and their disciples. In this sense, it remains a truth of faith. So we accept it by the witness or because of the witness that the apostles gave or what they saw and heard and felt. So we can reiterate what St. Paul said to the Corinthians, what he wrote to the Corinthians. I deliver to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures and that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the Twelve. Now, let us look at another reality moving forward. We mentioned that Christ rose from the dead with a glorified body. So he rose to never die again. So his body had very unique qualities that are not the qualities of our bodies today. They are the qualities of the bodies that, that our bodies will have after the resurrection of the dead. So his body was a different body from the one you and I have today. So what were those qualities of the risen body of Christ? First of all, it was still an individual, real, human body made of flesh and bones, 
and it was actually the same body of Christ, so much so that it retained the wounds of the nails and the spear that pierced his chest. Second, it was an immortal body, and therefore it would never die again. It was also a glorified or glorious body, meaning that it had a special brightness coming from, coming from it because it, participate, it was participating more perfectly in the divinity of Jesus Christ, of the Son of God, and that divinity was kind of showing forth from his humanity. And finally, because of that, it also had the gift of subtlety, by which it was not limited by its own matter, and therefore it could appear to the apostles even though the doors of the place where they were were locked for fear of the Jews, as we read in John chapter, nine, chapter 20, verse 19. So, to finalize, the truth of the resurrection of Christ is essential to our faith. With his resurrection from the dead, our Lord confirmed the truth of everything that he had taught us and did for us. Through his resurrection, we also know that his death on the cross truly brought forgiveness from our sins. Through his resurrection, he manifested his victory over death, over sin, and over Satan. As St. Paul said, writing to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 14 and 17, he wrote, If Christ had not been raised, then empty is our preaching. Empty too is your faith. And if Christ had not been raised, your faith is vain. You are still in your sins. But the reality is that Jesus did rise from the dead, and therefore our sins are truly forgiven. All we need to do to obtain forgiveness from our specific, precise, or particular sins is to repent and ask God's forgiveness through the sacrament of confession. And all our sins, as grave as, and as many as they may be, will be forgiven. So, that is a very important fact because it is thanks to his resurrection from the dead that we can have that certainty that our sins are forgiven and that our faith is true. Then a final conclusion and an important part of all this resurrection of Christ as a truth of faith is that Jesus rose from the dead as a pattern for our own future resurrection. That is, his resurrection is the confirmation of the fact that at the end of times, when Jesus comes for a second time, all those who are dead will rise from the dead and will be judged in the public and universal judgment. And after that, some will live with God forever in heaven, and others will be separated from God forever in hell. So, I encourage you to try to live a life of holiness, knowing that it is through the grace of God that we can live lives of holiness. But we need our determination. And that this life passes away soon. And the way we live this life will have an impact on where we end up living our eternal life after our resurrection. But we will rise. Life eternal with our bodies in heaven is a reality, is a possibility. And it is thanks to the resurrection of Christ that we can now have that certainty. And Christ is in heaven as an older brother who went there first to show the path. And in him, we have to trust that with his grace, 
we can reach there as well. So if you have any questions about this or any other episode of this podcast for college Catholics, don't hesitate to send me an email at info at forcollegecatholics.org. I'd love to hear from you. And if you can, leave a review on Apple Podcasts to encourage other people to listen as well. We will see you next time. May God bless your day.